When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to DNF. I am Spencer Hall. That is Jessica Smetana. We are going to talk about Formula One today. Even if we all know, again, how it's going to end. Doesn't matter. I mean, it matters a little bit because something very, very, something really impressive happened this weekend and everyone's kind of skating over it in order to just get to the, oh my God, we're bored. But we could talk about that, Jessica. How are we doing? Well, I mean, which impressive thing, because off the top of my head, we have not yet talked on this podcast about Daniel Ricciardo's return to Formula One, which to me no. was the most impressive thing of the weekend. Uh, if you've ended up, Daniel Ricciardo, um, as we all know, beloved American driver, Daniel mm-hmm. Ricciardo. Finally, an American someone on the grid. Someone listening to this right now is yelling, he's Australian. Okay, welcome. You are currently a tier below the rest of us. You need to catch up <laughs> to the joke. And the joke is... That he is the most American driver, despite being Australian. We know that. We know that. Okay? So, here. I brought you onto our level. That's the last time we extend the friendly rescue ladder. Now, you're just going to have to keep up. The He finished 13th and managed to recover after a bad start. A little being love in, tap. A little love tap. A little Joe Guan Yu involved fracas madness that took out not one. But both Alpines, which I'm going to say, by the way, this was heresy because the official canonical way for Alpine to knock themselves out is for each driver to take the other out. (laughs) That is canon. I agree with you. On an alternate timeline, uh, Ricardo sustained enough damage to end his race after turn one, which would have been the absolute worst possible way to start his second stint in formula one now as an active driver on the grid and i am so happy that that didn't happen because i think he needed a little confidence boost i think he needed to you know he didn't get any points but he finished p13 right where i think he kind of fit in in terms of how the car is working yeah and he also beat his teammate yuki Sonoda. yeah that's really all you want to do if you're coming in for uh, a new team in the middle of the season, the best possible outcome is, hey, I know we're not a top five team. Let's just go ahead. Let's beat our teammate and let's get through the race. So, hey, man, you didn't wreck it. There you go. You didn't wreck it. You beat your Thank teammate. God. 
that's a so pretty close. great start. Also, as always with Daniel Ricardo, we're going to end up getting a week full of quality quotes and social media content. That's what he's here for, Jessica. That's what hundred percent. Uh, one of our dear friends, Chris Whittingham, was texting me a few days ago and was like, "Why? So why did any of this happen?" And I was like, "Honestly, you know, he is he a better driver than DeVries? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a pretty high ceiling in F one compared to a lot of the drivers on the grid right now. Um, has he like reached his maximum? You know." success output possibly probably he's a little older now 33 years old uh which i guess is old as dirt when you're an athlete however Mm -hmm. uh red bull i'm sure loves having him around formula one and all of their front-facing accounts seem to be thrilled that he was back on the grid this is if i'm not saying it's entirely a pr marketing thing but i'm saying that it definitely helps that he is such a beloved athlete and that they can put him on everything now and it seems that everyone is celebrating his return um which probably made the decision for red bull a little bit easier because sacking (laughs) a guy after 10 races we talked about it on the last show it's pretty crappy and i do feel bad for nick DeVries. Yeah, this is a very complex emotion. Let's express it in two threads. I believe you have said that, yes, we are all thrilled that Daniel Ricciardo is back, and it's very good for the Red Bull universe as a whole, the Red, Bull's Al- Red Bull AlphaTauri universe Probably good whole. for Formula One, too, Probably in the middle of a Formula pretty One. boring season in terms of the leader of the pack. Also, total ass for Nick DeVries, who still will be a coveted driver at one level or another. I hope he gets another shot because this certainly wasn't the fairest run at an f1 seat let's talk max very quickly because you have to i know everybody's gonna be like oh max won again okay let me flip this max won again the 12th straight victory for max verstappen and red bull never happened before never unprecedented think about the amount of engineering knowledge sheer capital and driver skill that has gone into the sport and has gone into competition and yet we have never seen this before. We've never seen anyone be this dominant. That is something you can say factually. This 12-race stretch, uh, maybe going, maybe longer going back to last year, last season. We've never seen anything like it. Take a second. Listen to the universe spinning around you. And note, the only time this has happened is right now. So was that the impressive thing that you were talking about when we started the episode? It wasn't it wasn't Daniel Ricardo being back in episode. No, no. <laughs> let's let's was be it like the broken a... trophy, which I'm just trying to take guesses now. Like what was the most impressive thing you saw this weekend? There's so many things. The most impressive thing I saw this weekend was Lando Norris breaking Max Verstappen's <laughs> trophy in order to fizz up his champagne, agitate it, and in the course destroy a priceless piece of Hungarian china also like you mentioned a probably a piece of history this is his 12th win in a row it's never happened before um probably one that would have been i don't know maybe not but i i would say probably one that get like a pretty big billing on the trophy uh wing of the house that max Mm -hmm. verstappen probably has at this point um beautiful porcelain statue probably one of the few formula one trophies that actually can be broken was yeah. broken, um, which I think says a lot about, <laughs> about uh, you know, being in proximity to things that are breakable when you're an F1 driver celebrating with your giant champagne bottle. One of the things that I enjoyed was like the 
the the closing the loop on this little Lando Norris celebration thing because this is a second podium in a row. He mm-hmm. finished P2 last weekend and he did his little champagne pop thing and there's a video of Lewis Hamilton trying to figure out how he did it and trying to like imitate it and what he does is mm-hmm. he kind of like pop slams it on the ground and it like shoots up and Lewis couldn't figure out how to do it. So Lando did it again in this race and as he slammed it on the ground the trophy just bloop, plopped over, shattered in an accident. For those on the yeah. podcast side, I am doing the rabbit you think ear it, quotes. Do you, do you think it was on purpose? No, but I like a world where Lando says, man, fuck your trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Just... that, yeah, I mean, that's probably the world that we live in. I don't think he he went out of his way to avoid hitting the trophy, but I also mm-hmm. pr- probably think he didn't think it just like tip over and break. So no, 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 no. I, don't I do think... feel bad for the poor guy that spent probably tons of hours of manpower creating the trophy but mm-hmm. yeah, now, too bad. It's, now it's even more famous yeah too bad lando got a it's ball a priceless gem lando yeah. got a ball this brings this brings me back like <laughs> in terms of in terms of broken trophies this brings me back to orson charles a tight end recruit who eventually went to the university of georgia and while visiting the university of florida turned around at a table and knocked over the crystal championship trophy Oof. for the gators with his ass and Florida hasn't won anything ever since. It's been Oh my god. It's been like like the curse of Orson Charles ass. So, let's see. Let's note this by the way. Mark it down. Mark it down for those of you who are overly superstitious. If you want to know, have you reached the apex of Red Bull's ascendancy is the broken trophy it. If Lando if Lando like rips off the next 3 races and wins and McLaren is eventually the ones who unseat Red Bull in their dominance, maybe now, maybe later. I'm going to go ahead and write this narrative ahead of time. Wait, is it a curse for Max or for Lando? Wouldn't Lando be cursed? No, no. I, I think this in this case, via the trophy, by not protecting it, because Max did not protect it, obviously. Mm, okay. He didn't hold it close. He didn't treasure it, Jessica. And the universe will be like, you know what? It's time for you guys to start losing. That's not going to happen. But if McLaren eventually unseats them, that is the narrative I'm going to write. My favorite bit after the race was during Ted's uh, Ted Kravitz's little like notebook show that he does. Um, also, shout out to the guys in Europe who stream that on their YouTube channel so I can watch it because I'm not mm-hmm. a Sky Sports subscriber. The real the real heroes. I was watching it last night illegally, and uh, Zach Brown, when they were taking their like McLaren team photo, went up to Lando's trophy and picked it up like he was about to spike it on the ground. And everyone <laughs> everyone in the team photo was like, no! no! And then he just gently put it down. But it was a great bit. Shout out to Zach Brown. He absolutely crushed with that dad joke. Not literally, but Col- he, by the way, the joke crushed. By the way, culmination of an overall triumphant weekend for McLaren. McLaren has completely turned their season around. It's it's crazy, right? The vibes are so good right now. Astonishingly good. Two great drivers, including a rookie who a rookie who's really just starting to feel out what he can do. Yeah. And is getting top five a top five finish. That is and pr- bonkers. Probably would have ended up top three, but he had some tire degradation issues at the end, which McLaren said they're going to, you know, try to work on and fix, but like had a really great race. Lando is such a good driver. This is like the the prince that was promised, I mm-hmm. think. Um, that we haven't really get to see haven't seen an action because the car has not been keeping up to pace, but they are solidly the second fastest car right now in Formula One. Just kind of out of nowhere. It's crazy. They fixed it in the middle of the season. That's nuts to me. That Because usually you with something this complex, you say, okay, well, we don't need to be operating a race team in the middle of all of this. 
we need to pause and figure out one of the thousand little things that's probably wrong with the car and get it in the tunnel and etc. And they're making it better on the track. That is wild to me. Just a weird stretch of races now where we're having to like recreate our rankings in real time as Aston Martin has now fallen back to maybe the fifth fastest car mm -hmm. in F1 after we thought Alonzo would be on the podium all season long. Um, so yeah, Spencer, we have a ton of questions and we kind of have already answered one, but while we're on the topic of the trophy, uh, Katie Shook writes in, what's the funniest U.S. trophy to break after winning? While I agree that the crystal, uh, trophy for the, uh, national championship is up there, it's no longer in use. So I don't think it counts. Now the college football playoff trophy is just like a giant, uh, phallic vagina looking thing uh, yeah, i which... think it, it it either looks like lipstick or it looks like a boutique vibrator yeah <laughs> it probably is not as breakable so uh i don't know do you have an answer i mean the, oh, you've seen the lombardi trophy get dented but i've never seen it like shatter the funniest trophy in all of professional sports is still the land grant trophy that's a college trophy but so you'd have to go look it up just trust me if you broke that thing something really drastic would have happened but the greatest trophy that you can have is the stanley cup if you somehow managed to this everything that can happen to the stanley cup has already happened to the stanley cup yes. you know it's it's been like buried in a river it's been lost uh it's been people have bathed babies in the cup at the top <laughs> baptized babies probably mm -hmm. people have have consumed a lot of beer out of it so mm -hmm. much beer and alcohol has been consumed out of the top of the stanley cup so if you manage to actually destroy the stanley cup i think it's one of those king arthur things where you're now the monarch of some territory like <laughs> because nothing's been able to destroy the stanley cup it's like pulling the sword out of the yeah. The stone. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're the chosen one. I think we can go with like awards trophies outside of sports too. Like I think breaking an Oscar would be pretty sick if the head just like rolled off. Yeah. If you Again, did that, you got to give do. it back. Yeah. I you think know? the, do we agree that the commissioner's cup trophy, is that what it's called? The mm. major league baseball trophy? Kind oh, of a silly trophy. Very breakable. It's like most things in baseball. It's silly and breakable. It's silly and fragile. Why do we still do these things? Commissioner's trophy. That's There's like is. Shohei Otani and then everyone else in the sport. That's fine. Very um, flimsy trophy. You know, too somebody, many flags. I want to answer this question, uh, which is from, let's see, who did this? From It's Not Rigged. Better race strategy. Alpine cars running into each other or Ferrari brains running into each other. Mm. I chose this um, somewhat disingenuously because I want to get immediately to something that happened in this race. Ferrari had a uh, their usual number, number of mid-race bungles, but mm -hmm. my favorite, just to put a point on it, uh, from friend of the program, Lawrence Edmondson, a nine-second pit stop, bad, radio yeah. communication issues with his engineer, and no water from his onboard drink system all contributed to a frustrating <laughs> race for Ferrari, Le Ferrari's Charles Leclerc at the Hungarian Grand Prix. Why did he have no water? Was it some sort of deficiency in the design of the bottle itself? Was there a hydraulic issue in terms of drawing water up from the bottle? Was there a suction issue? No, Jessica, the problem was they cut the damn straw too short. 
They oh, cut no. the straw too short, so Charles had no water on a day Couldn't when the on-track it. temperatures reached 50 degrees cent- uh, Celsius. Do you think he did that thing that people do when they can't reach their straw where they try to like, like, yeah, like <laughs> grab it with the side yeah. of their mouth? <laughs> yeah. I have been following Charles's uh, social media output as the season has gone on, and he's gone from like being pretty emotive to like, you know, you can tell exactly how a weekend goes for a driver by their Instagram captions because they all post a lot. And Charles is someone who is constantly posting, but his his caption this weekend was seventh period. Next stop in spa, period. Thank you for the continuous support. And I hope we can give you some more exciting results soon, period. This just made me sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I We don't really need to pile on Ferrari at this point, but I do enjoy submitting new evidence to the pile. I do like saying, <laughs> note, among all the other mistakes, you cut a drinking straw too short. Yeah, that's that's brutal. I will shout out Leclerc had a great, uh, not quite Bond villain George Russell level fit at Wimbledon last weekend, but like a very nice one. Also not totally like the Oscar Piastri extreme where he looked like just some guy in a polo. Um, yeah. So shout, shout out to Charles. I, I hope things turn around for him. But Ferrari is solidly in the back middle of the p- top pack, if that makes any sense. They're like, what, fourth fastest right now? Fourth fastest. Yeah. Fourth it's, fifth. It's just like, an, it's kind of just become like, we're look, we're all watching these races for the midfield fight right now because we know everything going on with Verstappen is like, there's really nothing to worry about up there, but yeah. even amongst like the midfield, Ferrari, you just ex- you know exactly what they're going to do in a given weekend. They're going to screw up something that's going to cause them maybe one or two places. They're going to do something that is going to frustrate one or both of their drivers. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to leave in a worse mood than when they started the weekend, thinking, "Hey, maybe we'll get like a P4." Yeah, that's that's what they are. There are certain givens right now. That's what makes the McLaren story so interesting to me because the dynamics actually changed as opposed to remaining the same through the season. Uh, Right now, Ferrari, they're just on the struggle bus. And guess what? They've got extended stay seats booked on said bus. Yeah, sad. I got another question. Um, It's from RJ O'Connell, another friend of the program. What's the likelihood that Danica Patrick gets invited back to do Sky F1 punditry Oof. this year in light of the unhinged take she had on the children's broadcast? Okay. F1 children's much, broadcast. Much to discuss here. <laughs> have you watched the F1's, uh, the kids' broadcast, first of all? I have not watched it. I have admired their graphics from afar because they have very cute little score bugs and graphics and cartoons of all the drivers. Have you watched it? The bits I've seen, and I've watched some of it, the bits I've seen are outstanding. I'm actually super mad at Danica Patrick because to this point, it had been a flawless execution of the concept. (laughs) And then here comes Danica with like a whole bushel full of trash, dumps it right in the middle of it, said trash. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but somebody asked her uh, about uh, women in racing. And this was part of her response. I'm not taking it out of context. I'm just saying uh, there's a lot of bullshit. I'm only going to read a little bit of it. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that the nature of the sport is masculine. It's aggressive. You have to, you know, handle the car. Not only just the car, because that's a skill, but the mindset it takes to be really good is something that's not normal in a feminine mind, comma, in a female mind. 
Yeah, she went on to say that like she she goes into a quote an aggressive kill mode and you don't want to go after them and that's not a normal feminine thought and i'm reading this like verbatim and i i saw a lot of people criticizing her comments as like you know there's a lot of young girls interested in motorsport watching this who are probably internalizing this and like it's not a really great message to send because you know let's be honest it's a little bit of nonsense and she's entitled to her opinion i don't really agree with it having been around a lot of female athletes who uh, I think have an aggressive kill mode, right? Like we're talking about like athletes competing in sports. There's not like a masculine feminine, like inherent quality in any of this, but mm -hmm. I feel like it's worse if you're a young boy listening to this, because now this is a weapon that you can wield against all of the young girls that are interested, showing interest in something that's predominantly masculine sport or male driven sport. And now like it just it just reeks of like me being in high school, being a huge college football fan and all of the boys in my high school just being like, oh, but you're a girl. And it's like, yeah, like, let's how, how old are we now? Like, it, what, it just what's, is the what's the quarterback's name, Jessica? Right, right. What's the tight end's name? I'm like, it's it's Brady Quinn. All right, guys. I, I know that one. But yeah, it's really frustrating. I totally don't get why she would put this out there. I don't, I haven't seen her like clarify her thoughts anywhere in light of people calling this out on social media, but um, yeah, really, really bizarre comments, especially on a, on a F1 juniors broadcast. I have, you know, as a man, of course, I have an opinion to add that nobody wants, but I do have an opinion that I think fundamentally, I think she fundamentally misunderstands the notion of F1 or of, of motorsport period, because she said, this is not something that's normal to the feminine mind. Okay. Even if you think that's like, what even is that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know what that is? That's, that's some more, that's some dumb girl shit. That's what that is. Okay. If we're going to do like gendered, like real, real equality is for me being like, that person's a dumbass. That's an absolute judgment and it does not depend on gender. So let's do that. That's some dumbass shit. Okay. That's just, that's just her being a dumbass. All right. And that's, Real equality is me being like Danica Patrick is a gender neutral dumbass, no matter what came out of her mouth. Okay. This is the part I don't get where she says that's not normal to the feminine mind. Take feminine off. It's not normal to anyone's mind. It's not normal to go 185 miles an hour in a car and then push it. That's not normal. And the fact that there are such underrepresentation of women in terms of motorsports in terms of the ranks of f1 drivers historically and in terms of everything including rally car where like i think rally car had probably the greatest representation historically for women um outside of like formula w um because you know you have greats like michelle mouton who performed really well in the 1970s and 80s um in an audi which i would buy right now because it's like one of the most iconic cars it's got the lights on it and everything this little yellow and white scheme anyway it's not normal. And the reason for that underrepresentation is because the scouting has been entirely focused on mostly the young, generally wealthy scions of a particular class who pursue karting. That's it. That's it. And, and like the real inequalities in racing overlap both gender and class. All right. So if you want to go, if you want to go, okay, well, where where is the issue here with what she said? You go, well, one, I think it misunderstands the nature of the sport. And two, it misidentifies the problem. And it points the it points the cannon the wrong way in so many different ways. That's that's all I got.
Yeah, I think if the if the question is, do we think she'll do more Sky broadcasts? No. I think prob. I think she will. I, you really, do? you don't think she'll be on the Austin broadcast? No, I don't. Not after not after this, because I think like maybe ten years ago, maybe if uh, maybe if Bernie Eccleston had more sway, because Bernie probably heard <laughs> Bernie probably heard this and was like, "Well, that's right. Yeah, that's totally correct." But well, I don't. I think we're maybe a little I'm being too now. cynical. Yeah, maybe I'm being too. Cyn- it is very uh, just also weird to say all of this in the midst of like a ongoing conversation in motorsport about the lack of women in the paddock and the lack of women drivers, especially after we saw the W series end abruptly last year. And now there's like this uh, new driver's Academy that is geared towards women. Like it's something that formula one, whether they've been a hundred percent into it or not, I can't really say for sure, but it's something that they certainly talk about and Mm -hmm. like want younger fans of all backgrounds to be like feel welcome doing because those people obviously will help grow the sport and spend money on tickets and merch and all these things that make your business stay popular so like it's very bizarre in the context of all of that and in the context of there hasn't been a woman f1 driver in what 50 years now Mm -hmm. there there were a few back in the 70s and 80s and like do you just think that's because the feminine mind isn't aggressive enough. That is a bizarre explanation for something that obviously, like you said, has way more layers to it. It is it is wild to me too, because when you point at like who would actually be the most sexist people in this, like where the real problem is, is you go, it's among pretty wealthy people. Yeah. Right? There's an entire yeah. class of people who do not see their girls as capable of doing this or in, or that it would even be a valid interest. That that to me is wild because the people who F1 drivers usually come from, they have the greatest freedom to determine those things, right? They have the greatest freedom mm-hmm. to try those things and yet have not. It's absolutely wild to me. And no, Danica Patrick probably won't be on there, especially because they're sensitive to what uh, the reaction in the United States is to these things because true, we're the big market and the United States is currently holding more races than any other nation on the F1 circuit this year, thanks to Las Vegas. Well, should we put a wager on it? <laughs> put a wager on it? Sure. Ten bucks. All right. Ten bucks. Deal. Deal. Um, you got another question you want to answer? Uh yeah, here's a good one. Is George just Max, but with a better P- with better PR and less results? Overzealous recklessness has led to multiple incidents, begs for team orders on flimsy rationale, wants new tires with seven laps to go and he's fine, but he acts like my aunt in front of a camera, so we ignore it. First of well, all, sh- your aunt's to probably you. got a poppin' Instagram, first of all. <laughs> Gonna say. Shouts out to um, your aunt. Is Max just, is George just Max with better PR and less results? I mean, what, what do you think? There's too many qualifiers. That's when you start taking away too many pieces for me to say it isn't a valid, like, hey, isn't a table just a chair? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you've taken... You've completely occluded what we're trying to look at and made it a generalization I cannot disagree with because, yeah, at root, they are both race car drivers. I think I think maybe this brings us into a a conversation about George as a whole this season because Mm -hmm. he I don't think is to blame for the qualifying strategy on Saturday that left him out in Q1. He we can maybe talk about the new like tire thing that they tried out in qualifying too um i don't know 
I think they're doing it for one more race. There's like a, a tire requirement for each section of qualifying. And Mercedes has had a hard time with warming up the hard tires. And they left Lewis and George in the garage until the last second. And George was stuck in traffic and wasn't able to make time and yeah. was out of qualifying. I don't really think that was his fault. He seemed super unhappy with the team's decision to to run it that way. And mm. unless I unless I'm misinterpreting what happened, Spencer. Um I think he when it comes to, you know, rationale for calling team orders and all everything like that, like I can't really blame him for for any of that, right? Like no. he is in a really tough position racing on the same team with a seven time world champion that is still, even though Lewis Hamilton said after this weekend, he hasn't been, he hasn't felt his best in over a year, blah, blah, blah. Him not feeling his best is still better than George Russell. Like Lewis Hamilton has the pace. He is a incredible driver and they're both struggling with a car that is, you know, probably third fastest right now. So I don't really blame George for trying to do whatever it takes to finish ahead of uh lewis because he knows that's the qualifier that he's judged upon also fantastic mic work fantastic every time george passes somebody he sounds so happy yeah Yeah. baby he does the full (laughs) cringy he does the like funniest cringiest austin powers yeah baby every time he passes somebody it's beautiful ruby baby yeah (laughs) it's just full overbite awful like mike myers my daddy wasn't there (laughs) yeah oh yeah just like full cringe and it's great it's absolutely it's so innocent to me i agree with everything you said and would tack on this his job's so hard because the guy next to him is generally beloved yes and he's got to be the being the number two driver you're either the quiet man you get absolutely no pub you just do your gig and you're just living this land of assumed insecurity. See, Sergio Perez. Or before George Russell, Valtteri Bottas, right? Um, or you're the villain who's trying to take the seat, who's trying to take the number one. And George has kind of hit this interesting middle road between I'm going to be as competitive, and at the same time, I'm not going to make too many waves in terms of how we do it while still existing as my own driver. So I think he's doing great. I don't think he's Max. Do you think Max is in a number two spot at that position in his career? Would have been cool. Go look at what happened. Go, it's, <laughs> Max Max is not a great teammate. It's one of his strengths as a driver's as a driver, but he is not a great teammate. Yeah, I I don't envy the position he's in. I think he's doing fine. He's probably getting out of the car what Mercedes expects him to or wants him to. I don't think there's like much more they can ask from him at this point. Um he's doing fine and like the team is doing fine. They're not doing what they want to do bottom line. And I don't think that's really on him when it comes to him, like asking for things and demanding better things. I think that's just him being a really competitive race car driver, which is what you want to see. Right. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Is a table a chair though? Is a table a chair? Yes. Yeah. Is a, is a chair a table? Probably not. Hmm. Got to make some modifications. And at that point, we're having an entirely different conversation. We've come full circle on this one. And I love that, Jessica. Um, I, I want to do I want to do one more. Okay. One more. Uh, which is, which team will have the second best episode of Drive to Survive next season? Number one is clearly Alpine. Clearly. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and say this. McLaren, because they get to do a comeback episode. They get it's to gonna do- be electric. Oh, Lando yeah. on the podium. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited for it. 
I think maybe the the uh, Daniel Ricardo arc will also be a, mm-hmm. a top three. Yeah, him being back. I mean, it, I'm very excited for it. On the flip side of that, the Sergio Perez, whatever they do with that, because we know that like mm-hmm. Red Bull has this really great relationship with um, Netflix. Not that they like that when Netflix is around, but that they like want to appear good they and have, popular. All they the have time. Christian Horner's thing. They, right. Which is, exactly. Ooh, a mic. Right. So I'm intrigued to see how Sergio Perez uh, is portrayed during this like middle first half of the season. Yeah, but he had a he had. Would you consider this like a, a rebound race for him? I think so. He'd been finished on the podium. Finished on the podium was aggressive. Gained a lot of spots. Just screwed I, up I, his car in practice and re- recovered. Recovered. That's another thing that I think you're looking for when you go. Okay, well, you know, how's his pulse? How, you know, how's he looking in terms of viability as a driver for our team? How comfortable is he? Well, that's exactly what they needed him to do. He needs to, like, as the two driver. And I, I talked about this yesterday on the, the ESPN show, but, like, I don't think it can be brought home enough that he's got a really weird spot right now. I didn't say yeah. hard, but he's got a difficult spot because typically that number two driver, support driver, Perez's best moment, I think, as an F1 driver was the defense uh, in Abu yeah. Dhabi. Uh, that's the right. And that's where you go. Okay. That's his role. That role has been stripped of him because Max Verstappen is so far ahead that, that it's not even like he's working with anybody. It's, you know, he's effective. He's effectively alone out there. He's won 12 in a row. Like that's crazy. Which is by the way, next weekend in spa. Right. Which by the way, if we're going by usual formulations, Paris deserves a hand for participating in that and making it happen because he is part of a team and ostensibly he has done something (laughs) right to make that something to make that happen which is you know i'm not making that up he has he has contributed to that but he's in a weird role because there's not much teamwork out there there's 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 none that's how good max verstappen has been is that i think it's thrown sergio perez's role into some confusion yeah and i think that it doesn't help that like red bull has a development team they have really like no reason to develop young drivers right now mm-hmm. when it seems like Max will be the number one guy there for a long time, as long as he doesn't retire from the sport, which doesn't seem like he will. Uh, what is the appeal of that number two spot for any young driver coming up and trying to make a name for themselves? Like you're never going to get the best strategy. You're never going to be, the car is never going to be built for you. It's always going to be to what makes Max the best and the fastest, which is how the sport works. So yeah, he's in a really difficult spot. Has he performed well, uh, every weekend? No, he's actually like not done great up until this most recent, uh, finish, and I don't envy the position that he's in. It's <laughs> Max's team. I mean, how's this? Sergio Perez is being paid $10 million a year for Red Bull alone to be kind of an afterthought. Are you okay with making $10 million a year as an afterthought? I could be talked yes. into it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is this a question for me? Um, yeah. All of us, man. <laughs> Who wouldn't take that? Um, yeah. I wouldn't love the travel schedule though. They, I feel like I would never get a good night's sleep, but with, for $10 million, I'd probably have like a, a sleep coach or something like that. I feel like rich people have like things you've never heard of that help them do things that I can't do. Right. Like I'd be some napping sort of, everywhere. This is banana flavored beetle blood. And if you drink it, <laughs> 
you'll it will wake turn up back and time. Feel ten years younger. You know, <laughs> exactly. It's slightly radioactive, chill. It's cool. Yeah, that's, don't worry about it though. Yeah, don't worry. You got ten million dollars, man. You can afford whatever the solution to the solution is. That's it. You can pay for it. Um, Jessica, anything else before we wrap this edition of D and F after a? I think more interesting than than people gave it credit for Hungaro Ring, but I get it. If at this point you are bored of Red Bull's excellence, cool. If you're not, there's plenty of interesting stuff that happens after the one, in addition to recognizing that we are watching something truly great unfold before our eyes, even if it is slightly irritating for those who want actual competition. Last thought. Oh, man. Watching Lewis lose the lead in turn one. In in hindsight, the best way it could have happened, we got it over with quickly. I didn't yeah. have 30 laps to hope. Um, that was tough. It was <laughs> great, was you it know was great that, seeing him on pole, but that stunk. Yeah. Thanks, Max. <laughs> Thanks, Max, for just immediately cutting that out of the way. Like, yeah. nope. Oh, man. he. It seemed like he was laser-focused on Max and getting a good start. He got a okay start. Not a bad start, but like a, a yeah, good enough bad. start. But then it wasn't it wasn't Joe Guan Yu's start. No, completely forgot that there were two McLarens that were very speedy right behind him. And it was that was really upsetting. But hey, he ended up on pole on Saturday, 104 poles for Lewis Hamilton. So shout out to Lewis Hamilton for being the quickest on the track, at least on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would only want to mention, yeah, that I think Joe Guan Yu was on his phone. That's it. That's how bad (laughs) his start was. I've been there. I've been honked at just to check one text. That's all he did, and all of a sudden, everyone's in front of him, and then he gets involved in a wreck that takes out both Alpine drivers. Um, That's called driving I-95 in Miami, baby. Everyone's just like... (laughs) Seven lane change coming up. (laughs) Oh, wait. I'm going to do a U-turn on the turnpike. Hold on. After I send this tweet. That's a thing I can do. Whatever we're doing. Yeah, that is is my, my last bit of commentary on this race what we got coming up next what's our what's spa we'll be in spa spa weather permitting because a couple years ago it got canceled i was gonna say like spa is the only place where plausibly you could actually end up with a rain out you know and also the the race i think where you will get more rain and more likelihood of rain than any spa the longest track in the f1 circuit and uh historically one of the most dangerous this is the place where uh lotus put a number of drivers in the trees in the 1960s so uh if you want to know where the ugly dangerous history of f1 might be closest to the surface take a look yeah right there right there at spa spa is a wild track high speeds uh oh rouge Rouge is going to eat some cars always does uh, so always safety, safety foremost on my mind whenever we're racing at Spa because it's so fast and people yeah. love it. And that kind of speed combined with rain, strange things happen. We'll be back next week with another episode. And shout out to our producer, Doug, who will be uh, producing it from New Zealand, I believe. From Wellington. Go watch the Women's World Cup. Yeah, have a crack. Have a crack at it. <laughs>
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.